the triumphant return of Veans and Gravy. We are back, folks. Hopefully you missed us as much as we missed you. Tonight, we're breaking down the 2022 season of Moneyball, hitting the regular season, the trade deadline, talking about the playoffs, and giving a primer for our championship matchup. Let's do it. The long-awaited return of Beans and Gravy is here. Quite the delay for our uh, from our previous recording that we did. Our, our side hustles got in the way, COVID, family vacays. Uh, but being the high-efficiency pod that we are, we're going to sneak one last pod in before the end of the year. Graves, welcome back, man. It's been a long time, long time. Shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to. You know what I'm saying, Kyle? It's been <laughs> days. Some might say weeks, months since we've had a podcast. So it's great to be back. That would uh, be that, that would be accurate. It's definitely been months. Yep. Uh, you know, nothing like, you know, just kicking off an amazing season one of Beans and Gravy with a limited edition season two. Yeah, uh, works for me. I mean, and li- and limited, I, I, limited, limited being the key word there. I feel it had either one of us had a little more success. Um, we might have been uh, more obligated or more want, more willing to want to talk about fantasy, but just wasn't in the cards for us two bozos this year. Correct. Well, and we're, we'll, we'll get into that as, as 25% of the people that didn't make the playoffs, who better to break that situation down? But um, we are going to have to be very, very efficient here because we've got a lot of content, a lot of information to go through. A season's uh, to- worth. Yeah, yeah, you would say that a season's worth a lot of a lot of shortcomings in a lot of ways. So uh, 2022 Moneyball League. If I were to ask you about the regular season, what are some of the things that come to mind when you kind of think about this season from a league perspective? Um, the biggest thing, um, I don't know when he took over, but um, just more Durst dominance. The guy did it again. I mean, I, I know he wasn't from wire to wire, but he was in the top two, I think, from the jump and just, I mean, basically never let up. He's been good all year. Um, it's kind of his season and, you know, he's made it to the finals. There's been some other people that have jockeyed for position. Um, but for the most part, there was just, there was no real, there was a top six and then everybody else, like no one really came out and made a run or did anything like that. It was just the contenders and then everyone else was pretenders. It's, it was just a really strange season to me. I I don't know. There was teams that I thought were going to be really good uh, based on drafts that just didn't pan out. Uh, Could be injuries, could be whatever, but uh, primarily I think the six guys that are near or that made the playoffs were for the most part there the whole way. Yeah. This season Definitely lacked a middle. Uh, I think that was pretty, not, I don't know if it's rare. I mean, we've had that before, but there was, there was definitely a void in that, in that those middle contenders where, you know, does it make sense to buy or sell? Um, you're, you're right. We kind of had that top of the league kind of run away with it towards the end. You know, there was kind of two spots available for three teams. Uh, you were kind of, it, you were kind of, jockeying back and forth with Vander Ty's team maybe a month out Shaw was kind of within striking distance but he had a ton of injuries that hit and he kind of went from uh, potentially buying to selling so there was 
there, there was some anxiety towards that that last week. I mean, there was potential for, for some teams to fall out there uh, or a team to fall out of that spot. But yeah, it was just really kind of wire to wire as kind of the haves and have nots. And that that lack of middle was was definitely glaring in the league. I think uh, the other thing that you mentioned too with with, with Durst, I, I got to say I've come away very impressed with with his his run here. Now, I'll I'll fully admit I kind of looked at his team and I knew they'd be they'd be okay. We I mean, had some nice building blocks in there, uh, but I mean the fact that Bo Bichette probably had a little bit of a down year. Um, you probably would have thought that Bo Bichette doesn't play his best with him having you know kind of lost some of those those key contributors. Uh, that that great Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Con, contract, you, you thought there might be a chance that he might slide a little bit. And even the, the down Bo Bichette season, he, he still made that miraculous run, kind of was at the top of the league the entire time. And on top of that, he kind of had the wherewithal and the, the, the team structure that he could park DeGrom on his bench for uh, a, a couple months while his team still maintained. So I thought it was uber impressive. Uh, and I think he definitely deserved the the top slot there uh, heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mentioned it on the uh, group text a little bit about, uh, you know, you had the clash of the Titans, so to speak, at the end of last year with uh, Jake and Durst. And then you see the separation this year, one and dead last, one all the way up to the top. Um, you know, the one thing I noticed with Durst, he, uh, he took a page out of my normal playbook but uh he did a significantly better job where he's really kind of focused on the relievers and keeping those ratios down um interesting strategy like i said it's something i've tried in the past so to see someone else have success with it like that's kind of nice um he had yeah a, uh, it's just been a great year for him with the actual trade deadline too i mean he had a fantastic week where uh, both the Orioles and the Brewers traded their closers and he already had some okay relievers and, you know, all of a sudden Felix Batista and Devin Williams get kind of catapulted into getting saves, uh, picked up Edwin Diaz uh, in a trade and even Robertson moving from the, the Cubs to the Phillies uh, still retained uh, the majority of getting the saves in, in that spot. So, I mean, he, he already had an okay save situation and it really uh, got enriched by the actual MLB trade deadline. So, uh, fantastic structure, a lot of strong pitching, uh, has the relievers. And then I, I, it's that, that Shohei Itani effect, right? There's a reason yep. he didn't trade him at the deadline. I, you know, I was guilty of that. Sometimes you'd look at his team be like, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's you're looking at Otani as his utility and you forget that, oh yeah, you know, once a week he's going to get plopped down into that, that pitching staff and, and add him a, a solid ace to his rotation. So it's, it's just really... Uh, you know, cheat code maybe be a little bit strong, but uh, it's just a huge advantage uh, when he's healthy. You're getting the at bats, you're getting a start every week, and the flexibility that our our league provides that you know he can he can utilize him to his fullest. And I, I think it really just takes his team over the top. Yeah, he he. I mean, offensively too, he hit on a couple guys on. I mean, what I would say are really good contracts. Arenado this year was kind of a bargain. Mm -hmm. um at 21 bucks and to get the production he's gotten out of him but i mean his big spends like jose abreu 39 bucks i think that's his most expensive player um to only get like 15 home runs out of him like but he's made it up with some other pickups and and things like that just an extremely balanced team i don't think by any means it's the best team he's ever had i don't even think it's close but just the combo of everything he's got it's it was perfect mix 
especially in a year like this where, you know, he was able to beat up on a lot of people. So. And something I, and I don't know if you agree with this Graves and this has, this isn't in a, this isn't framed in a, a, a Durst team context, but we were kind of talking about the season in general. Uh, no statistical data to back this up, but I just felt like this was a year where I would have so many guys sitting and it wasn't even necessarily on Sundays, but it would just be like a random Friday and like, solid starters would just not be playing. I'd have only six people in my lineup. And I know everyone ran into that. It wasn't unique to me, but I thought it was very, very difficult. You know, Sands, a, you know, a, a team that splits, you know, a lot where I knew a lefty's on the, the mound, this guy's not going to start, but it just seemed like some really uneven start sits where I can't remember in years where I didn't have injuries, where like I was only starting five guys in a full game full week or full, sorry, full day slate of games on a, on a given day where it set a bunch of people out. I just, I was running in that at a ton. And I don't know if that was just my feeling. I don't know if you ran into that too. Yeah. I kind of think uh, baseball might be taking a little bit of a page out of uh, what you're seeing in basketball where, you know, it's a grind baseball season, 162 games played out over the summer. Um, it did seem like a lot of guys were just getting random rest and, and days off. So I, I kind of know what you're seeing uh, saying there, but um the other thing I wanted to point out with um, Durst is this is the first time I remember in quite a while where the the top guy in the league didn't necessarily make a huge uh, trade at the deadline. Sure, he had the one where he might have roofied uh, Guru in order to get, you know, a couple of really good players for I don't even know what the heck he really gave up. But other than that, he didn't have that big deal that he gets rid of one of it. I mean, say he didn't. Uh, give up or he say he tried to give up an Otani and, and bring in a massive haul. He didn't actually do that, which is something that we don't see every year. So um, he stuck to his guns. He stuck with the team that he had going most of the year and it, it paid off. Well, that's a, that's a perfect transition to maybe talk about the other team that's still remaining. And we'll break down the playoffs here a little bit more, but you kind of had the other side of, of the equation where you had Durst who was playing for a title last year, playing for a title again this year. Uh, you kind of have the opposite end of the spectrum with Tyler's team where uh, last year, one of the first and earliest selling managers that we'd ever seen uh, bulked his team up for this, this run got a little hairy there at the end. I think he, I'm not a huge power, you know, power ranking seasons, ranking, uh, you know, accumulative stats and see kind of where you rank. It, it generally is an okay gauge. You see that most of the playoff teams are on the top. You find some, a few outliers here and there, you know, he was, I think, third, second or third in the power rankings overall, but he was fighting for that last spot. So probably had a little bit of, you know, weekly matchup kind of unluckiness, but really had a stacked team going into the going into the season. And and that's great because it shows the the the, the, the arc of how a team should should operate. When you have a losing season, uh, you sell off your pieces, get some stuff for next year. So we executed on that. And then, you know, made a monster deal where he added Verlander, Sandy. <laughs> Don't uh, even try to like say it. It was like 10 for 10. Like, yeah, it was, it was a crazy monster, deal. Yeah. A monster deal, but he, he fortified his team. Uh, you know, and he, he, he saw that his team had, had potential and, and added some really nice pieces to it. Gave up an amazing piece in Bobby Witt Jr. But kind of that opposite spectrum, both of kind of how their season went last year compared to Durst and Tyler and then kind of in season, him fighting for that last spot, making the big deal and, uh, and kind of going all in. So, so being the seventh place team that was chasing uh, Tyler, uh, I was doing my best 
Kate Bush impersonation and trying to be running up that hill as I, I saw in the future that Tyler had easily the weakest or I guess easiest strength of schedule. Um, so trying to fend him off as I was the last couple of weeks, I knew it was an uphill battle, but he, um, he also knew that. So the one thing I really liked out of him was you saw him before our deadline kind of pull the trigger on those couple of moves. He got out ahead of everyone else said, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to be here in the playoffs. I just want you guys to all know. So um, I always like that idea, make the moves before anyone else. So that was something I think that he definitely used to his advantage too. So. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of mention our, our pseudo rookie of the year uh, in terms of managers. Uh, we had a new person join the, the league. Uh, you probably saw the dynamite interview from months ago with us. Uh, was that our well, last episode? <laughs> that, I think it was. Um, but we had a, a fantastic showing from a, a, a rookie manager, um, made it to the playoffs, uh, you know, had a, a pretty solid team. I mean, I think he was one that I identified, you know, as it got closer to the end of the season, like, you know, he, he has a shot, um, you know, made some, made some moves at the end, maybe didn't push all in, um, which I know that can probably be uncomfortable the first time understanding our keeper structure, you know, how the league kind of works. But I, I was super impressed with uh, Matt's performance here in his, his first year. And I think there's a lot of potential in that guy. Yeah, he, he also, I know he ran into some funny injuries um, at one point too, where I remember trying to make some deals with him and just looking at his team like, oh man, he's just treading water at the moment um, that I think kind of put him uh, in a bad spot. Cause like he started out like a house on fire. He was, you know, top three, I want to say for quite a long time. And then he went into a little lull. Uh, I know I did a deal with him where I gave him uh, Stanton and uh, I forget what the deal was, but I ended up getting two guys back and it was kind of looking like a silly trade. Um, but it was just bad luck for him in order to, you know, have the couple guys that got hurt. Um, but I mean, yeah, excellent debut. Um, I think everyone kind of took them serious this year as a, a contender and, and yeah, definitely a good showing for a new face in the league. Any, any last thoughts on the regular season? Um, no, uh, <laughs> I'm just kind of, I don't know, punch drunk. It's the first time I've ever missed the playoffs in back-to-back years and to get seventh place in both of those years, it's just kind of uh, leaving a bad taste in my mouth. So uh, yeah, I, I got nothing else to really say about it. Um, Congrats to all the people that made the playoffs. Um, it's been fun watching them the last couple of weeks, but yeah, I'm ready for the season to be done. So, <laughs> well, it was it was an impressive run. Uh, you made some moves at the end of the the season. Uh, you put your best foot forward, and uh, you know sometimes sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, but I, I do think that for the most part, I think that the rightful teams were there, and that's kind of always what you want, mm-hmm. uh, even in a uh, I wouldn't say it was, it was, a, it was a slightly strange season, but, but for the most part, I think the teams that were supposed to be there were there. Um, I think you catapulted yourself in the conversation, uh, gave yourself a look, but unfortunately there just wasn't any other teams really chasing that, that last spot that was even possible for them to make it. So uh, I think it was good on you to kind of identify that the middle, there was no middle and, you know, it was going to be very, very competitive trying to find keepers. Uh, and I, th- I think you made the, I think you made a valiant effort and probably didn't cost yourself from a team structure for next year, you know, that heavily. 
Well, I I put myself right back where I normally am with terrible keepers going into a draft. So I I feel comfortable with that, but enough, enough about talking about me. You guys will hear enough about me in the off season. So uh, let's, let's just move on. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's break down the playoffs, kind of what that looked like, who was there, kind of those matchups. Did anything weird happen? So we get into the we get into the first, first round. round. Yep, we knew Tyler was going to be dangerous for somebody. That three seed, I think Derek even knew it um, that he was in trouble facing a highly motivated Vanderty team. So, yeah, he, you know, Derek was stuck with kind of that that last key keeper that everyone was was tripping over themselves to get a little bit hamstrung by kind of some of the salary cap limitations but I think ultimately when he didn't make that move it was going to be tough for him to win three straight matchups including uh, having to play a very tough you know six seed in in Tyler's team which isn't uh, which probably maybe one of the toughest six seeds we've ever seen in terms of of capability so that that matchup was uh, Derek versus Tyler and then we had uh, Brendan uh, versus our rookie Matt uh, in, in the other matchup uh, walk me through, I, I know you were watching probably a little more closely. Uh, was that kind of a, you know, start to finish this thing's done or kind of when did those matchups swing? Um, well, to be quite honest, I don't fully remember. I, I remember following along <laughs> just to see who was leading, but I don't remember like the ebbs and flows of the matchups. Um, anytime Brennan gets into a playoff, I get worried. Uh, me and him have a, a long time bet of, I think it was at Mike Peter's uh, wedding rehearsal dinner, I made a hundred dollar bet with him that he would not win a championship within 10 years. So I think we're getting close to that. So I always keep an eye when he's in there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, he kind of got, uh, worked over in that first round. And, um, Derek, I know made quite a comeback on the Sunday. Um, I remember him, you know, bringing up forgetting or not having a cell phone reception or something like that. And it might've changed things, but then in the long run, it didn't end up, but um, yeah, I don't know. Pretty basic first round playoff. I think the teams that we thought would win ended up winning. Um, I think those were the two better teams going in. Um, it was nice to see someone who hadn't been in the playoffs in a while and DPD get a victory in their first return. So, um, yeah, I think it ended up six to four for, uh, Deagle versus Shea. And then Derek kind of ended up getting stomped on, but every category was pretty close in their matchup. Yeah, that was a 7-2-1 at the end. But, yeah, I think there was that that Braves matchup. Um, yeah, like they were separated by one home run, one RBI, um, five strikeouts, tied in wins. ERA and WHIP were both fairly close. Like that that could have gone either way, but um, Tyler ended up capitalizing. So, so we move on. Uh, so, so Matt slash DPD and Tyler move on to the semifinals where – uh, Vitals and Durst awaited them. Uh, so we, uh, we got a Vitals versus Vitae matchup and then a Durst versus uh, Matt slash DPD matchup in the semifinals. So, uh, you know, when you're in those semifinals, right, those higher seeds are basically trying to find five categories and, and move on. Uh, Durst what was able to uh, handle Matt's team uh, it mostly came down to the pitching. Durst swept all five pitching categories, uh, 
and, and then, you know, they kind of divvied up the offensive category. So the offense was, was relatively close, but looks like the, the pitching was pretty dominant and that propelled Durst. Again, he only needed five categories uh, and he took all those in pitching. So it was going to be a tough hill for, for Matt to well, climb to, to beat him. That's another thing too. Um, one thing, um, one magic loogie was doing was they came in already having to get five categories, but with no closers. I mean, now you're chasing more than that even. I mean, it's just an even more difficult battle. So that's another thing where you see those better balanced teams maybe having a little bit of an advantage in that type of matchup. And then we had the uh, uh, the, the Vaynerchuk-Vitals matchup. Again, some stuff that was pretty close, but it looked like uh, for the most part, uh, Tyler really dominated the, the pitching ratios. Uh, they were close in Ks. Um, you know, Tyler basically at that point was forfeiting saves, but the rest of his rotation uh, starting pitching was very dominant. Uh, had a very, very strong offensive cat, uh, offensive showing. I mean, eight, nine in, in stolen bases. That's pretty impressive. He had 315 for the day or for the week, 13 bombs, uh, 41 runs. Again, 7-3 victory for Tyler. I don't think this one was was rel- – I don't think this was very close either, if I remember. I think there was a little bit of uh, midweek uh, naming naming score going on on WhatsApp. So, again, Tyler cruised uh, uh, pretty easily through this matchup as well. Yeah, the, the one thing I always kind of like to look at is not just the matchups, but, like, whose team's rolling, who's having the better team. Um, like, in the first week, like, Boba – just seeing what his categories would have been, he would have dominated everyone that first week. So the buys paid off. Vitals also would have had a very nice week that first week. Um, you look at the second week, like no one was beating Vandertie. That was a championship week. He had a, a, a perfect week, you know, with the great ratios um, over a lot of pitching innings. Uh, he would have been tough to beat, but, you know, sometimes those matchups matter. It's where you pair up. Uh, like we said earlier, a dangerous six seed, no one wanted to play. And, and that's exactly why. So semifinals in the book, uh, we've kind of mentioned at the top uh, of the pod, uh, we have a number one seed in Durst facing off against the number six seed in Tyler. And it is Wednesday, so we're, we're not quite halfway there, uh, but very, very close competition right now. As you look at it, we'll do a prediction here in just a second, but what, kind of what's your take so far, how the, the week has started? Um, I don't know. It's, it, it, I find it very interesting. I saw it last week with Tyler's team too. I think he had like at 1.8 home runs and like 11 RBIs. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if hitting gets a little bit down this time of year in baseball in general, but, um, it's just weird, weird to see those types of things. Neither one of their offense is really mashing the ball right now, but, um, you know, a couple questionable pitching decisions like Tyler, I saw last night. Uh, starting Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson got rocked. Um, probably something he would want to do over again, but um, what can you do? It's last week. You got to put all your chips in the table and, and ride with what you got. So, Well, the good thing to start the week, he, he has two home runs again, but now has a uh, 11 RBIs for those two home runs as opposed to the eight home run 11 RBI that you referenced. So I, I think it's going to be really close. I mean, in terms of at-bats and innings pitched, you know, the ratios, you want to start off strong, but I don't think anything here is completely um, impossible to, to overcome. 
I think Durst already having two saves, already having um, the upper hand when it comes to save accumulation potential. You know, if, if he carries that stat, he's going to have an advantage and he's only have to find four more four more categories to take um, to, to get that tie and, and to win the league. So, I mean, I think there is an advantage him in terms of how the, his team's structured right now, um, but everything is still up in the air in terms of, of being able to turn that around. So I, I think Tyler definitely has a puncher's chance for sure. It should be good. I mean, I think both matchups are going to end up pretty close. Um, but, yeah, I see what you're saying. Ty- Tyler is the one team that's got quite a few options at the closer spot in order to maybe counter Durst's uh, strong point. So, um, yeah, I, I think anything's still possible. Like, still super early in the week. So, hopefully we get some excitement over the weekend, get a little activity in the chat thread. That's always fun. Um, and hopefully it comes down to Sunday night because that's always a great time. All right, I'm going to put your feet to the fire. What's your prediction for the end of the week? Um, you guys may or may not have seen that Easter egg I threw out where I had already filled in Tyler's name uh, as the 2022 champ. So I'm going to stick with that with a 5-4-1 win over Durst. Um, I haven't looked ahead to see who the Sunday night game is yet, but I'm hoping it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. All right, I'll be uh, I'll be contrarian. It's not a rooting interest, but uh, I like that that saves potential win for for Durst and only having to find four more categories. So I'm going to go with a five five tie with uh, with Durst pulling it out. That's Nothing my prediction. Like kissing your sister, Tyler. Ooh, that's going to be rough. <laughs> so uh, again, sorry to our sorry to our loyal viewers for the uh, the delay in our. Our, our return to beans and gravy. Uh, we will have a championship edition, hopefully with a. Uh, f- hopefully you enjoyed that awkward, sudden ending to the pod tonight. Very reminiscent of me and Graves impact in Moneyball this year. But like my old man used to say, you get what you pay for. Beans and Gravy's back. Hope you enjoyed. Next week, we'll be crowning a new champ or possibly crowning someone as the new GOAT in the league. Lots on the line, and we'll have uh, more content on that next week. But always, always remember to keep banging.